Okay, so first of all, Shkayach to Oh, Yechiel Fragen for sponsoring the, the learning, the breakfast. L'zeich Nishmas from it, Bas Reb Shmuel. Is he here? Is he here? Shoshan Aliyah. Okay. Okay. All right, so last week we uh, began learning. We, do we need more copies? We need a little bit more. Yeah, okay. So last week we began uh, a little bit of introduction, uh, the second introduction really, to uh, the second parak of Sefer Shmuel. So today I want to, I want to Hashem, sort of finish the parak. I'm not, we're not going to have time to go through all the psukim in parak base inside and then discuss what we want to discuss. So what you have in front of you, at least most of you, is on one side of the page you have from a Sefer Nesiv Mitzvah from the Kamarna, and the other half you have the, the remainder of Perak of Bays of Yeshua that we didn't see yet. So again, like I said, inside Perak Bays, uh, we'll not be able to see everything, but, uh, but at least to begin. Let's go through a few psukim inside, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll schmooze a little bit. So again, uh, let me start over from Perak Bays. You don't have the first couple psukim, so the first couple psukim we'll just chazer over outside, and then we'll, uh, we'll see a little bit together. Again, the, the parak begins, as we saw last week, V'yishlach Yishuv Benun Min HaShitim, that Yishuv Benun sends from the place that they were, they were, they were settled, from the place of Shitim, Shnaim Anosh Meraglim, two men to be spies, Cheresh Lamer, that these spies were Cheresh. What does it mean, Cheresh? So I didn't mention, I mentioned in passing, but in Chazal, Rashi already brings it down, there's three interpretations of what the word Cheresh means. On a simple level, the word cherish means silence. Like a cherish is someone that's a deaf mute. So cherish means to be quiet. In other words, this was a secret mission. Meraglim cherish lemer, that these spies were, were something that was quiet. No one knew about it. This was a secret mission. That's one interpretation. Another interpretation that Rashi says is the word cherish, the word shin, the letter shin could also be a sin. So it's cheris, which means padenware, earthenware. And the uh, disguise that these two meraglim used as they went into Eretz Yisrael to spy was that they were selling earthenware uh, pottery. That was the second shot. And the third shot, the word cherish has to do, again, it's another interpretation of the word, it has to do with a, um, uh, a, a, a what's the guy that deals with wood, that builds wood? Um, a carpenter, a carpenter. And so they were also, the, the other interpretation, the third interpretation is that they were not grim, they were carpenters that were, that were, that was their disguise, going from place to place, you know, fixing chairs, tables, whatever, you know, woodwork. That was the, uh, that's the third interpretation. Okay, so uh, the, I guess the first question you have to ask is, what's Pshad with, with all these interpretations? I mean, first of all, I mean, it doesn't really matter how, what their disguise was. I mean, uh, what, what's the, what's the penimius going on behind these three interpretations of either they were, it was a secret, it was, they were selling earthenware pottery, or they were carpenters. Okay, fine. But anyway, we'll get back to the Bez Hashem. <coughs> the Pasuk continues that they were sent, and we know who these two people were. The Pasuk doesn't say, but we know from tradition. It's Kalev and Pinchas. And they find their way to <coughs> the house of Rachav Hazaina. Rachav Hazaina, as we'll see, her house was built into the walls of Yericha. This was a major Indian, as we'll see in the coming Prakim, that Yericha was a tremendously fortified city. The walls of Yericha was something... Uh, so I'm a big any of the walls of Yerichai. In order to conquer the city, they had to bring down the walls. Now, Rachav lived in the wall. The walls were thick enough that her house literally was built into the wall. That's, what, uh, that's where she lived. They find their way to the house of Rachav Azaina. She was a Shudash She was a Zaina, and this was where and, you know, uh, all the politicians and so on, the higher-ups in the government used to frequent her and so on. And so they stay, they stay by her. And uh, the pasuk continues that word got out. This is what we saw last week. That the word got out from 
the king of Yericha somehow found out, at least rumors, that these people were Taka staying by Rachav, and he sends a message to Rachav, you know, let bring these people out, they should be, uh, you know, they should uh, be arrested and so on, they're spies for the government. So Rachav decides that she's going to protect them, she hides them in the attic, in the roof, in the, the, she covers them with pishtan, with flax, and she sends a message back to the king of, of uh, Yerichai, you're right, they were here, but they left, they escaped, and uh, you know, you should chase after them, they went this way, they went that way, to try to just, you know, get them, get, get them off, the, uh, off the scent of where these people actually were, Kalavim Penchas, and, uh, and that's what happened, that's where we, we sort of ended off last week in terms of the, of the Pesukim, so let's, let's see inside a little bit. So Pasuk Ches, again, we're not going to see the whole thing, it's going to be a little bit too much, but just Pasuk Ches a little bit, a few Pesukim. So it says in Pasuk, after this dialogue between Rachav and the king of Yericha, getting them, getting them away from uh, her house and, uh, and investigating what's going on over there, so they, this was before they went to bed, she ascended to the roof to go speak to them, and she says to the men, I know that the Rabbanu Shalom has already given Eretz Yisrael to you, it's a done deal, the Chinafla Amaschem Aleinu, your dread has fallen upon us. The whole, the, the settled, everyone that lives here, the population of here is, they, they, their hearts are, they're completely melted. They have no, they have no confidence at all. We heard already about what happened 40 years ago that the Rabbanu Shalom split the Yamsuf when you left Mitzrayim. And we also know from just a little bit ago how you conquered the two kings of the other side of the Jordan, Sichon and Oig, and they completely annihilated and wiped them out. We heard about these things, our hearts have completely melted. No, no man has any confidence at all to stand up before you. Because you, your Hashem, the Rabbani Shalom, is the God of heaven, the God of earth, and that's basically it. That's, that's her first statement. And then she goes on to the next thing. Atta. Now, Now, please take an oath and swear to me. Because of the fact that I did kindness to you, that I saved your lives. And so to respond to that, you should do kindness to me and my family. You should give me a sign of truth. Now, the truth is in Chazal, on a simple level, we can see what she's asking for is that her family should be spared from the destruction of the city that's going to happen. In Chazal, the Zar Kavish, in fact, says that what she was deeply, deeper reason, what she was asking for, when Asatimli Ice Emes, give me a letter of truth, what she was asking for is, I want to convert, I want to be, I want to be a Yid. And in fact, that's what ended up happening. She's Megayeris, and she becomes the wife of Yeshua Benun, the Ice, ice Emes. It's like, a, like Ice Bris Kaidish by a man, so she doesn't have a bris, obviously, but she's asking for that his that, uh, you know, the, the, the Yadas that she's asking for. But again, going back to the simple pshat, she's asking that her family should be spared. My father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and so on. Everything that we have, save our lives from death. That was her request. So, so, Kalev and Pinchas respond. Basically, again, go inside. But basically, they respond to her by saying, it's a deal. In the following condition, you have to keep the secret. You can't allow the word out that we were here, that you're being protected, otherwise it'll become, you know, uh, impossible. So this has to be, number one, condition number one is it has to remain a secret. 
Condition number two, what you have to do is the following thing. We're going to see soon, the Pasuk says, that after this conversation, they escaped, they left Rachel's house to go back to Kal Yisrael, and she lowered them down with a rope, with tikvas shani, with a rope from the window. Okay? On a simple level, he didn't want to exit the door because it would make a whole big thing. Her door was by the wall of the city, which is like open into the street. He didn't want to make a thing. So from a side window, a little bit more tzniyastik. So they told her, okay, when we come into Eretz Yisrael, when our armies come in, gather all the people that you want to be protected from your family into your home. Leave this string that you lowered us down. Leave that there. That'll be the ice emes. Okay? And, be, and, and, and then we promise, we guarantee that everyone in your house will be protected, will be fine. And that's in fact what we're going to see later on, even when miraculously the walls of Yerichai were crumbled. That's what happened. The walls just crumbled miraculously to allow Kal Yisrael in. But that part of the wall which was the house of Yerichai, uh, the house of Rachav, stayed intact, protecting her family. That's what was going on over here. And then she's Maskim, and then as we know, the story goes, again, she's eventually, like I said, Megieris, and Chazal say that many, many converts also came from the city of Yerichai uh, through her, you know, uh, you know, she sort of broke through that barrier, and then many Gerim followed suit, <coughs> and then she, she married uh, Yeshua Bunan, as, uh, as we mentioned. Okay, so that's the, that's the story. So let's, let's, let's understand the penimus of what's going on over here, the significance of this Indian of Rachav Hazaina being Megieris. This is, again, we've been talking about this for some time, but we'll just sort of like bring it together a little bit. We mentioned last week, I think it was last week, two weeks ago, that the whole Indian of Kaliv and Pinchas being sent as messengers, as being sort of the first ones into Eretz Yisrael in terms of the conquest, this was a Hisiris, this is an awakening of, of, of Mashiach Tzikeno, the Indian of Gula, the of Gula. Our first entrance to Eretz Yisrael is always going to be reflective of our final entrance into Eretz Yisrael, which is with Mashiach. Beginnings and ends are always tied to each other. So this was happen- what was happening right now was an awakening of Geula, which means that what, what's being established over here is not just like, you know, Kaliv is from Yehuda, which is Mashiach, Pinchas is Elio, who partners with Mashiach, the herald in Mashiach. What, what they also have to do is sort of establish... Uh, pave a way or establish a, 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 a you know a, to, 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 to bring to reality something that is a microcosm a, a miniature version of everything Claudius will ever need to do to bring Mashiach right like that's what's going to be like in order for them to awaken Mashiach and to sort of uh, uh, establish uh, you know a little representation of Gula it means that their Avaida is going to be with their mission part of their mi- major part of their mission is going to be also a, a, a simon for everything we have to do in, in our avoid and goal is to also bring Mashiach. And this is in fact what we find Chazal say that that the Jewish people were sent into Golis for one primary purpose, to amass Geirim, to get converts. Chazal say such a thing. And so that's why what's going on over here is that like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, uh, what's the purpose of this mission? They go to Rachav Azayna and they don't even, like if the purpose of their mission was to find out the Matziv, we don't even find that they even asked her about the matzah. She, on her own, goes up to the roof and just discloses all the information that uh, everyone's terrified and no one has any confidence. It doesn't even sound like that's necessarily what they were asking, what they were there to find out. They were on a mission to be Megayar Geirim. They were on a mission to bring the Shamas back. That's what it was about. And again, because the Panemius Indian of that is that that's what's necessary on a collective level for Mashiach to come, for us to be Megayar Geirim, to bring converts. And Mamela, if their mission was to establish this, uh, you know, this, this beginning of Gula, then that's what they had to do. But let's understand at a deeper level, what's this Indian of, of 
in order for Mashiach to come, we have to convert Geirim. Because it's a funny thing, because we don't, we don't go on our own to find Geirim. And even when, when a Geir comes, we push them away, right? Let's do that. So, so let's understand. Okay, so let me, let me give you a, a, a basic claw, and then we'll see inside from the Kamarna. There's a principles like this. There are three domains. I, I've mentioned this many times, so it'll be a little chazar for some of you. But there are three dimensions to reality. It sounds complicated. It's not. There, I mean, the way we'll say it is not. There are three dimensions to reality. There, there's the dimension, there's a universe of kaidish, of holy. There's a universe of ra, of evil. And then there's something in between that's called klipas noiga. Klipa is always a word that means, that's a reference to impurity. Klipa means a shell, something, a blockage, you know, something that's unholy. You don't want, you take it and you throw it in the garbage. Noiga means light. Klipas noiga means somewhere in the middle. A simple example, a pair of tefillin, that's holy. A piece of chazer, that's unholy. That's why we stay away from it. What's in the middle? A cup of water. Is a cup of water good, bad? Well, it's not, there's no mitzvah to drink water. If you want to drink water, then you have an opportunity to make it holy by making a bracha. The, 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 the way the Rabbanu Shalom made the world is, is that there's good, there's evil, and there's that which is in between. And ever since the, the, the sin of the Eitzadah's Tevorah, is that there's always been this mixture of good and evil. There's always been this mixture. It's very hard... Like the example I gave is pretty, pretty simple, but most of life is not set that simple. Most of life is complicated, and it's very hard to tell what's holy, what's not holy, what's in the middle, what can be taken, what, what can't be taken. The conflict, the machlaikas, the mulchama, I should say, between uh, us and the Sahara is over that middle ground. That's, that's the conflict. That's the conflict. Those areas of life, um, when you go to work, when you go to work, parnasa. Uh, eating, drinking, uh, getting married, whatever it is, in Yonim that on their own are neutral, things that are neutral are very much inclined to become lost to the negative side, to the side of impurity. And our avoid as Yidin is to try to rescue, to sort of rescue the princess, to rescue the Kedusha, the holy potent, the Noiga, the light that's contained in, the, in those middle grounds to bring it to Kedusha. So whenever you come to a cup of water, for example, you're thirsty, so you take a cup of water, you're now engaged in a mochama, you're engaged in a warfare. Because in that cup of water, there's a mixture of good and evil. And, so, and, and, and the way that expresses itself is you are tempted to just drink the cup of water, stam, and that would be giving in to the klipa, to the negative side that's holding on to that cup of water. Or you have the option of having some Yishav Adas and saying, no, 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 I'm going to drink this because Hashem wants me to drink it. I'm going to make a bracha. I'm going to do L'shem Shemaim. And then what's happening is you are, you are rescuing, you are, you are redeeming the noiga. You are focusing in on the light, on the holiness that's contained in that cup of water. And by doing so, you're uplifting the entire experience. That's what's going on over here. This is the deeper meaning of what it means that the Jewish people throughout Golis are sent to go convert, con- to bring converts in. A convert. A convert doesn't just mean physically a convert. It means this dynamic of there's the Jewish people, there's the nations of the world, it's a pair of tefillin and a chazer, right, so to speak, and then you have neshamas that are mixed up. You have a neshama of a yid, that's a holy thing, that's mixed up in, in the non-Jewish world. And that's our avoida. Our avoida is to engage in things that are mixed up, things that, are, that, things that have a spark of holiness in them, right? A spark of holiness in them. To, and to engage that spark and to uplift the entire experience through that. That's what it means to convert a gear. You follow that? This is going on. So every time you engage in something that's, that's quote-unquote secular, quote-unquote 
parv, right? But you, it's, there's nothing that's really parv. That's the point. There's nothing that's really parv. It's really holiness that's mixed up in, 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 in that which is impure. And our avoid is to sort of focus in on the holy part and to uplift the entire experience based on that. That's exactly what it means to be malinitzaitzesakidusha, sparks of holiness. These sparks are quote unquote everywhere. Every experience of life, every cup of water, every uh, every conversation you have with a coworker, these are uh, there's a spark of holiness in that. And the question is, how do you engage in that? What's the what's the what's the you, you are in battle at those moments. The question is, are you going to allow the enemy to overtake that moment, or are you going to overtake the moment yourself and to conquer that territory for kedusha? That's that's the that's the shaila, that's the machlekes, that's the that's the situation of life. This is what it means to convert Geirim. When Kolev and Pinchas are going into Eretz Yisrael for the purpose of establishing the awakening of Mashiach, therefore a major part of that is to is to convert Rachav Azayna. That's what's interesting, by the way. The position of where Rachav Azayna lives is right in the barrier, right in the middle between evil evil headquarters in the city of Erechai before the Jewish people come in. And the Jewish people on the other side, she's mamish in the middle. And that's exactly why they want to convert her in particular. She's embodying, she represents everything that's in the middle, this whole, this whole, this whole dimension of klipas naiga, of a glowing shell, this dimension of everything that's in between that has the possibility of, of being overtaken by impurity or overtaken mm-hmm. by holiness. That's what she represents. That's what she represents. And so that's why she literally is in the middle. And this whole process of them going to be Megayah her and not just her, her family and so on, that's, uh, it's, this itself is, is establishing, this itself is establishing sort of the uh, foreshadowing the process that we are going to have to do collectively throughout Golis in order to bring Mashiach ultimately. You follow this? That's what's going on over here. This is the, this is the, way, this is the war that we wage. The Muhammad between good and evil is not on evil's territory and it's not in good's territory. It's in the power of territory. That's where the battleground is. That's where the battleground is. The shaila is, how are you going to drink that cup of water? How are you going to go to work? How are you going to interact with your wife? How are you going to interact with, with this person that you just met? Like that, that, those are the territories. It's not so much about you know, putting on tefillin. That's, Hashem, like, that's you know, you should put on tefillin. That's not the mulchama. The real mulchama is how you drink a cup of water. If you drink a cup of water properly, then the cup of water is now being now being, uh, you know, the, the, the domain of Kedusha is now taking over that territory. Rachav becomes Jewish. If the cup of water is being, is being drunken without a bracha, you know, for, for without any religious context at all, then now it's being usurped by the nations of Canaan. And that's the Mulchama, that's the conflict. Well, what makes Rachav in that middle? You know, I, if you feel what I would ask, I would say, by being a zone, she's on the other side. So that's, that's the Nakuda, because when... when uh, it, <laughs> Everything starts... Okay, so let's explain. The way I just presented it is relatively simplistic. Right? It's one side, another side, somewhere in the middle, that's Muhammad. But the truth is what you're saying is correct. The process of finding that spark of Kedusha, you have to, you have to go through a process in order to find that. It's not so simple. It's not so simple. Most things start off under the jurisdiction of impurity, and, and for them to be workable, there has to be a process that we have to go through. So let me, let me, let me explain a little bit. Uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to be able to do this. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna try. Take a look at, at the Nesiv Mitzvah that you have. Uh, yeah, okay, we're going we're gonna to try over here. 
Okay, so there's a principle from the Balshantav. The Balshantav said like this. The Balshantav said that there's a three-step program, three-step program, whenever you want to have this, do this process of converting a ger, you know, or of uh, redeeming a spark of Kedusha, right? Taking something that's secular and bringing it into the world of Kedusha, there are three steps, okay? The steps are, in the language of the Balshantav, hachno, havdola, hamtaka. Okay, hachna means humility, havdala means separation, hamtaka means sweetening. Those are the three steps. You can't skip steps. Those are the three steps. Now, what, what does that mean? So on a very simple level, hachna means, hachna means that in order to engage in anything of this world, a person has to be humbled. A person has to be humbled. If a person comes... Well, let's put it this way. Look at Rachav Azayna's story. Look at Rachav Azayna. Rachav Azayna, her first interaction with Kalif and Pinchas was in a way of hachna, in a way of humility. She was subjugating herself. She says to Kalif and Pinchas, everyone's terrified. We have no, mamish, mamish terrified. Mamish terrified. We have no confidence. We have nothing. You have everything. Your God is the God. We mamish are completely out in the, in the, in the darkness. We mamish have nothing. Step one is hachna. Step one is that you have to be machnia. You have to, you have to humble the side of impurity that, that has its grip on that cup of water. You understand? The Gemara says, for example, when a person is struggling with the, a person is first attacked by the Yitzhah, yell at the Yitzhah. You degrade it. You say, what? You mushchis, you manovel, you're trying to get me to do an avir, you're trying to get me to forget about the Rabbanish when I'm drinking a cup of water. Who do you think you are? To talk like that to your own Yitzhah. And to put, put, put the world of impurity down, to machnia it, to subjugate it, to humble it, to humble it. That's the first stage of hachna. Hachna, therefore, is, it, it, could be, it could be like the case of Rachel, where she's, where she's saying that everyone, you know, in the sight of impurity, the whole land of Canaan, we're mamish, terrified. We have no confidence at all. It could be with yelling and screaming at your own Yetzirah. It could be also just feeling a certain sense of humility. And like, you know, a person comes with... with with an overinflated ego, whatever you do in life with an overinflated ego, it's not going to be holy. If you go in life, the first stage of being able to engage and to really conquer territory for Kedusha, to do things in a holy way, you have to have a sense of hachna, a sense of bittel, a sense of humility. That's step one. That's step one. When, now, when a person has that hachna, Balshantav taught, the second stage is then havdala, separate. Separation means that now that I'm humble, and now that I'm, that I'm that, and I've, and I've humbled the, the world of impurity, now I could come with a discerning eye to, to, to sophistically separate and to understand what could I take, what I cannot take. See, until, until, uh, until that point, everything is mixed up. So I don't know, what should I do? How much of this conversation should I, should I engage in? Should I connect? Should I not connect? Should I drink the cup of water? Should I not? I don't, you know. So first you have to be machni and humble yourself. Say, Rabbanu Shalom, I don't know anything. I'm a nobody. I just want to be a good Jew. Help me out. There's a certain level of hachna. And then, now that you have that hachna, and, that, and the, the, the hold of impurity on that cup of water has been softened, so now you could isolate the potential holiness there. And you could, and you could engage in that particular activity with Yishev Adas, with, with a certain humility, and a certain mindset of finding the holiness and the, and, the, and the good quality in that particular experience. That's havdalah, that's separation. The final stage is that once I'm then able to, to figure out properly how to engage in this activity in a way 
that I'm only connecting to the good of it, and I'm disregarding the bad, then I could uplift the entire experience. And the whole experience is hamtaka, is sweetened, and it's uplifted. So this is the process that you find with Rachav. First of all, Rachav comes with humility and says, we, we have no confidence, we have no truth, we, uh, help us out. That's Achnach. And then Kalev and Pinchas tell Rachav, stage two, which is Havdalah, separate you and your family from the rest of Canaan. Stay in your house, and you have to keep it as a secret and separate from the rest of the world. Because they're, 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 that's the second stage of Havdalah, of separating, of isolating the good from the bad. First weaken the grip of the bad on the good by Hachna, and then you could isolate the good and, and focus in on it. How would that work in a cup of water? So, one second, we'll, we'll, we'll try to get to that. It's, I, it was probably a bad muscle. But uh, <laughs> number, number three is then she's actually converted. She's actually converted, and she's actually brought up and, 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 and brought into the, into the world of Kedusha. <coughs> A cup of water might be hard to explain these three processes, but but um, but let, 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 a, a, a more a more it, it's it's actually probably a more uh, reasonable example is uh, is uh, um, let's see what's an example a person let's say engaging in a in a bit let's say there's a, there's a business deal at work or something like that something's going on at work decision that has to be made and so on. So again, there's the decision of whether it should be done, whether it shouldn't be done. The question is, now that you've decided, you know, now the question is, it should be done. You're going through a deal, whatever the case may be. You want to do it in a holy way. You want it to become holy. So these are three steps. Hachna, humility. Very often, when a person is making money, it could inflate the ego. And then everything that you, all the wealth that you're, all the money that you're, that you're amassing is, is mixed up in klipa. It's all mixed up in tumah. The idea is, first of all, hachna, humility. I have no power of my own. It's all siyat deshmai. It's all the rabbi nishloilam. I have nothing. I have nobody. Hachna, humility. And by doing so, not only you're humbling yourself, you're humbling, you're, you're detangling the kedusha that's in that investment, the kedusha that's in that negotiation, whatever the case may be, you're detangling that kedusha from the negative side of it. Once you have that hachna, then you go into the next step of Havdalah. Havdalah is, okay, now I'm going to focus in on what is holy about this transaction. What could I do with this money that I'm going to make that's purely holy? So you think to yourself, well, I'll use this money to pay tuition. I'll use this money to buy kosher food. I'll use this money to give tzedakah. You, you then figure out what in this, in, in this uh, you know, potential deal that you're making is pure kedusha, pure holiness. And you focus in on that. You focus in on that and you say, this is why ultimately I'm making this money. Because there's a certain percentage of this money that I'm going to use for holy things, purely holy things. And that's called Havdalah. You understand? You're isolating the real spark of Kedusha that's mixed up, that's been mixed up. You know, you know, let's, let's put it this way. The guy's making uh, you know, $20,000. It's a deal for $20,000. Let's pick that number. Now, $9,000 of that deal is going to be used for holy endeavors, whether it be tuition, tzedakah, you name it. But, but right now, that means that $9,000 is a spark of Kedusha, and it's mixed up, mixed up with $11,000 of extraneous stuff, which is very much inclined to unholy things, right? Excess money that's not used for holiness is easily, easily lowered to low places. So what you want to do your objective is to uplift all $20,000. That's your objective. That, to, 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 that the $9,000 should be the primary inyan 
and the driving force behind this entire deal. And with that, the other $11,000 should also be uplifted. And then you could be confident that whatever you spend the other $11,000 on is also going to be, maybe it's not holy, but at least it won't be profane. At least it won't be unholy. So, what you, so what, therefore, what you try to do is that you, you, your ultimate goal is for everything to be uplifted. But the way to uplift everything is to, is to first of all, soften the grip of the $11,000 over the $9,000, you follow? And that's the first step of hachna, of humility, of humbling yourself. And by humbling yourself, you're humbling the entire situation. And you're humbling the grip of impurity. You're, 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 um, you're allowing there to be a little bit of, of, of giving you the ability to find the 9,000 amongst the 11,000. You understand? And the next step is havdol, is that, okay, now you isolate. Now you isolate the amount of money and you focus in on that. It's like, this is my primary objective. The money that I'm going to make, my primary focus is going to be the amount of money within this deal that I'm going to use for purely holy things. That's my, that's my ultimate objective. And then the third step is, now that if that's my, once I get, you know, sort of take hold of that primary chalik of the money, then the rest of it will be uplifted by that. And this is exactly what Rachav goes through. Step one is achna, the humility, right? She, she's, another, she's mixed up. There's a, there's, a, there's a Jewish neshama in her that's, that's been mixed up for many generations in, in unholy places. She's a zaina, right? She's mixed up in all these things. So you've got to detangle the situation first. How? So first, you've got to give a little bit of a clap and a little patch to the zaina part. And that comes with hachna. And then all of a sudden, when the negative side is a little bit weakened, then the good can rise to the surface and can become noticeable. And then the next step of Havdalah, which is, okay, now, Kalv and Pinchas say, now separate yourself from the rest of the world that's been until now pulling you down. That's the $9,000 becoming separated, you know, and becoming a little bit more discernible and more focused in on, on your, on your uh, intentions. And then the final step is, once that takes place, then you could be Magad. Then you could convert. And then that body, until now, which has been non-Jewish, actually becomes a Jewish body. And until now, the body that's been sort of, that the nesham has been lost in. And the first step was to be machnia, was to humble the body, to allow us to see the nesham. And the second step was to focus in on the nesham. The nesham is the ikr, and everything else is, on, is, is, is secondary. Now, everything can be uplifted through, from that process. Hachna, havdala, hantaka. Now, this idea of hachna, havdala, hantaka, this is not uh, uh, just a chiddush from the Baal Shem Tov. I'm sorry this was much more complicated. In my head, this was less complicated. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is sometimes. It was a late night last night. So uh, I'll do the best I can. This idea of hachno, havdol, hamtaka, these three stages in terms of of redeeming, of rescuing kedusha that's been until now entangled and lost in the world of impurity. Again, number one, weaken impurity. Number two, isolate the kedusha. And number three, you can then uplift the whole thing from that. These three levels have a root in the writings of the Rizal. The Rizal said that these, that these three stages also correspond, there's, another, there, there's three words that the Rizal used, which is, it corresponds to these three stages, which is iris, nitsutsim, and kalim. Light, sparks, and vessels. Light, sparks, and vessels. Hi, what does this mean? Okay, so... Uh, uh, I usually try to be more prepared. I don't know. It's, just, uh, it's a little bit heavy today. So, Iris Nitsutsum and Kela means as follows. This is a process that Rizal described of three stages where 
where the, the light of the neshama, that, that holiness that you're trying to discover, is sort of making its way into a dominant position. In the very, very beginning, like Rachav Hazayna, before this whole process starts, the Kedusha of Rachav, her neshama is mamish, not dominant at all. It's, it's, it's completely in the background. It's completely uh, uh, lost to the Zayna part, right? And the ultimate objective is to flip it around, right? That the neshama of Rachav should be the dominant, and the body, the Zayna part of it, should be uplifted and uh, overtaken by the neshama. That's the objective. So in, in language of the Rizal, this process of the neshama becoming the dominant force and the most noticeable force, right? Like those, that $9,000 should be like the dominant, more, the, the focused part, as opposed to being lost in the background and sort of in this like, mysterious nebulous of uh, somewhere in the $20,000. The, 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 the language of the Rizal is like this. Oiris, that it starts off, the Kedusha starts off as this intangible... Uh, undiscernible light that sort of is, is nowhere. It's like the, the, the Rachav's neshama. She had a neshama, but it was like, it didn't have kalim, right? It didn't have a vessel that it was living in. It didn't have a vessel to live in. It was just floating in outer space. And the, the tachlis is to take that neshama, which is unnoticeable, and to, not, and to make it noticeable, not just noticeable, that it should be the driving force. Like I said, the $9,000 in the beginning remained completely like, I don't even, you don't, when you first think of the deal, it's like you're not even thinking tzedakah, you're just thinking money, you know? That's part of the deal, because I, there is tzedakah there, there's tzedakah money involved, there's kedusha there, but it's like, it's, it's floating in outer space. It's not, it, it doesn't have kalim, it doesn't make itself known yet. And your, your objective is to make that percentage of the money, which is light, to give it kalim, right? That it should become experience, that that should be the ikr, and everything else is, is secondary, you follow? So this process the Rizal describes is this, is this idea of iris. First, the Kedusha is in this nebulous, unknown, secretive world of, of iris, of light, he calls it. And then, and then as you go on with the next stage of Havdalah, of separation, then that light all of a sudden becomes a little bit more tangible. And that's called Nitzaitzen. Nitzaitzen means sparks. Sparks in the writings of the Rizal always means something that's... that's beginning to become discernible. It's beginning to become uh, settled in this world. Like light means that which is completely untouchable. And nitsutsim means that light as it's making its way down to planet Earth. It's becoming a little bit more tangible. So in this case as well, in the first stages, you're just humbling yourself. But you don't, but the, but the, 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 the kedusha, the $9,000 in the deal hasn't risen to the surface. And then the second, that's called hachna and that's called iris. In the second stage, in the second stage, where the nine thousand dollars then becomes noticeable, and you focus in on that, to the to the to the to the you know, uh, and separating your mindset and separating your intention from everything else, and you're just focusing in on the money that's pure and holy in that deal, that's called nitzutzin. That's called ah. Oh, that's called that light, that kedusha, that nisham of rachav is now making itself known, and the final stage is kalim. Kalim means, now everything can mamish settle in, it could settle into real life, and it could actually make the deal and make the $20,000 with the confidence of knowing that that light, which is until now completely unknown and hidden, is actually settled in Kalim, and it's actually the driving force behind the entire process itself, the entire deal. Iris, Nitsutsum, and Kalim. Like a diamond. Huh? Like a diamond. Yeah, you have, to, you, have to, you have to work it through. You have to work it through. Right, exactly, exactly. Let's apply this to Rachav. Iris and Tzitzim and Kalim. 
I said there's three interpretations. Again, we're not going to have time to go through this. It's Kedai, by the way, just the page that you have from the Kamara, you'll see it inside. It's, um... Okay, you know... Okay, let, let, let's see it together, maybe a little bit. Um, I'm not going to be able to explain all, all, all these words, but... Ibor, Yunika, Moichen. That's another, another three stages. Another th- three words to describe these three stages. Pregnancy, childhood, and adulthood. Also three stages to describe this. Hachna, Havdal, Hamtaka. Oiris, Nitzutzim, Kalim. Oilamis, Nishamis, Elkusis, Baruch. Worlds, souls, God. Those are also the three stages. Again, these are... Each one is a, is a shmuz on its own, but... <clears throat> see, he goes and take a look at the next paragraph. Umitak hayisurn v'acheshkes. The first stage of, of sweetening difficulties and, and darkness. That, that first stage is hachna, is humility. Nichna be'emes believe emes. You are humbled with a with a really humbled heart. Kim haya nichna rochavim ka'atzas hazakenim hayoyim til la'eved. He goes on to give examples where we find throughout Chazal that situations ca- could have been very much fixed. Situations could have become very very good for Klal Yisrael if there was humility there. Because I'll say even an amazing thing that uh, Tzidkiyo HaMelech was the last king during the first base of Migdash. And Chazal say that if he was able to humble himself to, to uh, Nebuchadnezzar, and to literally just to take the steps to go towards Nebuchadnezzar with humility and say, you know, clearly the Rabbanu Shloilam wants me to humble myself to Nebuchadnezzar and go with that, then the Basin wouldn't have been destroyed. It was all because of Gaivin's unwillingness to be humbled. Because humility is that first step. And that, those three stages are bringing that world of Iris, that, the world of Kedusha that's until now completely unknown, making it not just noticeable, but Mamish the Iker, and the fundamental driving force behind the entire deal. These, these three stages are hinted to, I believe, in the three interpretations of the word Cheresh. Remember, but, but, that the two Meraglim are there to convert Rachav Azayna, to establish the... Um, uh, foreshadowing of the entire process of Golas, which is engaging in all things that are mixed, the Kedusha that's mixed up in unholiness, using these three stages of Achna, Havdal, Hamtaka. <clears throat> and therefore, the word Cherish had three interpretations silence, mysterious, side, right? Unknown, that was the word Cherish. Or it meant a, uh, a carpenter, or it meant someone selling earthenware vessels. To explain this, it means like this. The first stage is hachna. As I said, the first stage is humility. And at that first stage of humility, where is the nesham of rachav? When you, when you first engage in rachav azayna, in those types of situations, where's the 9,000? You have no idea. It's completely mysterious. It's completely unknown. But the first stage is not even to be able to find it. The first stage is to humble yourself. And to humble yourself. To, to, go, into, to go into the situation with a sense of humility. To allow yourself to properly then find the kedushin there, but you first have to become humbled to allow yourself even into the into the into the into the warfare itself. That's the first interpretation of cherish means secret. Secret means it's all in, ter- it's all in terms of where the kedushin is. Where's the kedushin? It's iris, iris. It's unknown. It's completely mysterious. It's undiscernible right now. And the avoda therefore is to become humbled. Therefore, a cherish, someone who's deaf mute. Chazal even talk about this in, in, many, in, in a number of places, that there's a certain hachna, there's a certain humility that people with disabilities certainly have. They, you know, these are not usually the balagayv of the world, right? So cherish is this Indian of what? Of, a, of stage one. 
which is, where is the Kedusha? Unknown, mysterious, I have no idea, I can't find it. What is my response there for? What's my first thing to do to find it? Hachna, humility. See myself as deficient. See myself as someone that's missing. If I humble myself, then I'll be able to go into this environment with the Siyat, the Shemaya, with God's help, to find the Kedusha that's, that's somehow lost in this situation. But that's step one, Cherish. Step two is to then be a Nagar, to then be a carpenter, to be a carpenter. Um, a carpenter has to do with wood. Wood, Chazal say, obviously, it's, it's obvious, it comes from trees. Chazal say about a tree, ki In this piece of the Kamarna, if you look at it inside yourselves, you'll see that the second stage of Havdalah is very much about focusing in on what Torah says, on Torah learning, on figuring what halacha dictates, what is, what's, the, what, what's my life about. Eitz chayim ilamachzikim, but the tree of life means to remind yourself, what is the tachas of my life? So first I humble myself that I don't have any answers, I have nobody, I'm just a cherish. And then I go into the business deal and I think to myself, okay, what is the purpose of my life? Why am I trying to make money? And once you, once you hold on to the Torah of Eitz chayim ilamachzikim, which is that Torah means guiding light, right? Torah means a guiding force. Like, what is my purpose in life? Why am I here? What am I doing with myself? Then that guiding light will allow you to do step two, which is Havdalah, to separate and to isolate what part of this money is really focused on why I'm here, on what the Torah wants of me. And that's the second stage of Havdalah, of then you now are able to isolate the aspect of this business deal that's speaking directly to what my purpose is, to what the Torah wants of me. And that's cool, that's representative of the second interpretation of, of Cherish, which means carpenters. That these were people that were going around pretending to be carpenters to fashion vessels of wood. Because wood means eitz. Eitz means eitzchayim lachzigimba. That's the Torah, that's the tree of life, that's the Torah itself. That's the, that's the guiding light to, 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 to find, you know, to find the $9,000 that's Iker. Amongst the $11,000, that's completely secondary. That's the second interpretation. And the final interpretation is, after you've gone through those, the, the first two processes, finally, Kalim. Kalim. Kalim means that now everything can be put into that vessel, into that experience, and all $20,000 can be used properly. Once you have that guiding light and you figured out the 9000 which is the Iker, and you're now navigating the entire deal based on that focal point of the $9,000, then the rest, then the $11,000 is also good, and it'll also be used for good things, and it'll be uplifted, and it's geschmack, and there's nothing wrong with having a nice car, and things like that, as long as the focus is on the $9,000. That's the final interpretation of cherish, which means people that were selling earthenware pot. And earthenware pot means kalim, it means, it means everything settled down in planet Earth. It means everything being able to, like a cholent pot, you're able to put a lot of things in there. And it could contain, it could contain the $9,000, it could contain the $11,000, it could contain all sorts of things. And it's all fine, and it's all holy, because you've gone through those processes and focused in and isolated what's really important, and use that as your northern star, you know, you use that as the, as the guiding light of your life, which is what Tyra wants of us. So these are the, th again, so these are the three stages of, of how to untangle any situation. Number one, go into the situation with humility. Number two, you, you try to really answer simple questions of like, why am I doing this? What is really my motivation behind this? And once you have that real clarity of why you're doing this in the, in the healthiest way, which is ultimately, ultimately boiling down to what the Torah wants of me, then I could then use that as a way to uplift the entire situation. And then fine, then you don't have to just have the $9,000, have the $20,000, and the other eleven will be then 
used to, you know, to, to not, not fight against the 9,000. It'll be used in partner with the 9,000. And, uh, and then the whole thing will be hamtaka, the whole thing will be sweet, and the whole thing will be able to settle into vessels of this world and be able to be used and, and, and enjoyed uh, in a healthy, delicious way. And that's ultimately what's going on with Rachav Azayna. And by doing so, that's what, Chazal, that's what, that's what the Kalev and Pinchas were doing. They were establishing this process, which would eventually culminate in the coming of Mashiach, which is, what is Mashiach? Mashiach is that after 2,000 years of the Jewish people <coughs> being humbled by exile and trying to figure out what the Rabbanishal wants of us in each particular situation in life, then the whole world will be uplifted by that. And the whole world, all the $20,000, everything would be uplifted by that experience. Hashem, Hashem should help us, should be Zaycha, to, uh, to go through these three stages and, uh, and see the ghoul with our own two wives, be as called Tzedek, Meher, Amen.